Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. Thanks, Rich Birch. On the show today, we answer a great question from a listener who wants to bring his brick and mortar business online. What should he be thinking about? What are the common roadblocks and challenges? And what are some unfair advantages that brick and mortar businesses could take advantage of? We talk you through some terribly important questions to ask yourself. You know where you are. This is the Fizzle Show. You know, too many great independent small businesses fail. And we're here to discuss what makes the difference between those who fizzle out and those who buzz and crackle with creativity, impact, potential, and purpose. Every Friday, we publish another conversation about entrepreneurship, building a thriving audience, and the battle of supporting yourself doing something that you care about. Your hosts are, and this one comes to us from Eve Lindell, listener to the show. We, if we were uh, characters uh, from the motion picture Cars, Pixar classic, Corbett would be Doc Hudson, the veteran who's been around the block a couple of times, willing to teach the rookies a lesson or two, if you ask him nicely. Barrett, he'd be Lightning McQueen, the young one, born in the South, eager to achieve, breaking hearts on his way to California. ka <laughs> Chase, that's me, would be Mater. The glue that keeps the community together. Totally unaware of how much his hard work and sense of humor is appreciated. And when you're in trouble, he's always there to tow you back on the trek. Well, you know what? I was a little upset at first, and then you really kind of pull it around. Thanks, Eve. You can follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 93. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. So let's get into it. Oh, you just blew my mind. you have done. Yes, I see what you have done. You have really brought something good to us today. We Uh are going to talk about the difference between particles and waves. What is the sound of no podcasters clapping? Oh, what is it indeed? That is what I have been trying to raise this whole time. If three podcasters clap at the same time in separate woods, did they clap at all? I'm telling you, this is what I've been saying the whole time. Corbett being at the beach just makes us all really zen. No, it doesn't. It makes us all really like, uh, uh, like we we all have our own projects going on. You it, know? Ma- it makes Chase passive aggressive. It, yeah, it's like I no, don't even know what you guys doing are doing. Own, me doing my own course uh, makes me passive aggressive. It's like the best. I need to be doing this more often, but it also kind of turns me into a little bit of a monster. I feel like we should be doing it together more often. Well, there's that, but there's some of this work that's just like you just can't do. Uh, uh, all, all together. You know what I mean? You just can't do it. You just can't. I was looking at the guy. He wanted to work with me. I was like, what am I going to do? <laughs> See, it was a latent giggle. It was a latent uh, giggle. It was man. like, I'm trying so hard not to giggle. That's even better than a regular giggle. Oh, uh, whatever. <laughs> Listen, on the show today, what we're going to talk about is this. Okay, Patrick May has got a great question, which I'm going to read out in a little bit about, uh, uh, but the gist of it is like, how do I get my brick and, I'm thinking of taking my brick and mortar business online. What are the steps? What are the things that, that, we, that, that I should be thinking about in that regard? And he has a very particular story, but we want to we expand on that and make it a little more of a, for anybody thinking about bringing their, uh, their brick and mortar sort of uh, physical sort of thing online. What are the questions you should be asking yourself? What are the things you should be thinking about? What are the common roadblocks? What do we know as like expert online marketer people that uh, that's coming your way? 
uh, as a as an expert brick and mortar person, bringing it online into the mess and the noise and the sludge and the cesspool of the internet. How can you stand out? How can you get found? How can you how can you actually sell well? What do you need to know about shipping and all this other crap that you're gonna have to think about now? So I want to get into that stuff. Does that sound like a good thing for you guys? Sounds so woo. Good. Oh. <laughs> what was that, Corbett? I did a woo. <laughs> <laughs> that was really even your woos are, are subdued when you're in Mexico. People <laughs> don't know it. Uh, Corbett's in Mexico. He's doing his annual uh, his annual sabbatical in Mexico. He works, but we just still call it a sabbatical. <laughs> you call it that's what you call it. Uh, he, he it's it's this kind of place. You go into the water. You might come out with a swollen eye and some sort of weird infection. How, has that healed up yet? I, yeah, I did get an infection last week. So, um, but let's not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you have to talk about so many disgusting things. It just puts the people off. Uh, uh, let's a uh, quick quick uh, roundup on how things are going, Barrett. What do you what do you work it on? How are things going? Things are going so well, guys. You're back from you. You've mentioned that it's like it's it like going coming back from Davos. Have we even talked about Davos yet? We talked about it uh, before. Darling, I went, it's Davos. <laughs> the episode where we talked about it will air after I got back. Okay, so we have... Uh, uh, you just confused me, but it's cool. Yeah, I'm like, what, man? So wait, what day is it? But you're feeling good. You were mentioning how like you're now you're after after the New Year's, after Davos, after all the planning and stuff, now you're just kind of getting onto the gravel and putting one foot in front of the other, and, and it's like, whoa, I haven't been here in a while. That's correct. It's like, wow, there's actual work to do now. We've been talking about work for quite a while now, and now we actually have to actually do it. Well, I'm I'm of the I'm of the perspective that talking about work is just as good, if not better, than actually doing the work itself. What's your feeling on that, Barrett? Definitely, it's how everything happens, right? It's much better to just talk about. You know, it if than Steve Jobs just just did work, nobody would give those press conferences, and he was such a good jo- guy at that. He knew how to do that. Mm, mm, so I like to mm. talk a little bit more than than to do. Mm. Barrett came back from Davos and and really wanted. A hearty woe team, you know. <laughs> He's like, I want to know if you guys are all in on this thing. Are you all in? Let's do it. You ready? On three. <laughs> he did. He did. We use we use Slack. It's like a chat thing for our for our, our conversation uh, internally. And boy, boy, <laughs> it was like that thing it was, was like fired he came up. Back from his first like youth group or something. Yeah, it was sort of like a retreat with the old. Uh, the old uh, non-denominational evangelical uh, association, you know, pretty compelling speaker up there and some good music and a houseboats trip. And he, he's just like all like, you guys, I'm so fired up right now. This Everything's going to change. <laughs> I, it wasn't that bad. That was mostly me uh, through high bad. school. But uh-huh. uh, but uh, that's good. I like that. And Corbett, what's, what's it like down there? Are you feeling good in Mexico or what? Yeah, I'm feeling good. Yeah, you know, to be honest, I, I think I get more done down here. I don't yeah. know what it is about being down here. I mean, I really there's just no place to go around. We don't have a car. There's like three restaurants in town, mm-hmm. so it's just me and my thoughts and my laptop and my slow internet connection. Ooh, is that like a way of you know? There's like a slow cooking thing. Is there maybe a slow thing? Is there like a like you know? I'm not going to help you with that one. I could. <laughs> I'm still sort of. Foggy. Speaking of slow cookers, I, I have a pot roast in a slow cooker right now. It smells really good. I bet oh, my dog God, hates this me. This is terrible radio. Nobody can smell through the radio waves, Barrett. Well, if you could, it would smell good. <laughs> <laughs> Hank's just going nuts over there. Um, I'll give you a little quick update on me. Uh, it's a good. Uh, it's a good week. Hey, hey, Chase, how are you doing? Good. I'm glad. Yes. Uh, well, I, I've been running a little bit. That feels good. And then. Uh, 
uh, putting together a new course for Fizzle. I am putting together a new course for Fizzle, and that's going to be done in like a week, probably, which is exciting. It's on. Uh, everybody's asking about the copywriting course, which is def- which is still getting made. I'm making that at the same time that I'm making this one. Wait, uh, what? Yeah, everybody's like, no, you can't do two at a time. And I'm like, yes, I just Jackson Pollocked it. Pollocked so it. So should we go ahead and uh, give a preview of what we're going to make next March? What's next? Because then people, well, I don't know, but I feel like people really enjoy the fact that we talk about things for a long time before they're actually it's, it's real. It's called building buzz, Barrett. <laughs> and c- considering your alliterative Barrett Brooksness, you should be building buzz wherever you're putting your butt I don't know. Barrett Brooks building buzz. Oh, uh, you caught me in a weird mode, guys. It's going to be a tough one. Uh, listen, let's talk about the meaning of life. No, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, so yeah, I'm build- making this new course. I'm just like, I'm just like struggling, like just getting the last final little bits done before I can actually record it and edit it, which is actually weirdly like the easiest part. Um, so and it's on it's on making shareable images. Making everybody knows that nobody's even arguing anymore about the importance of using images in your blog posts and in your especially social media stuff. You know your Facebook, like the the stats are pretty ridiculous in terms of the engagement that you'll get with, if your post has an image versus if it doesn't. Um, and then you know, there's a lot of discussion about like, should you do it as a photo or should you do it as a link uh, post in Facebook and all this other stuff. And if you've been on our Facebook page, you've seen us, you've seen me learning tons, like a lot actually, and having a blast making stupid stuff <laughs> that uh, that's really fun, like the dancing video that that mm. that I did mm. and. Uh, it was kind of mm. fun. So get on the Facebook. What is it? Fizzle dot, uh, Facebook.com slash Fizzle. Co. Oh, I thought we just renamed it The Chase Show. Uh, so what else do I want to talk about? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I've been doing that. And that feels good. It's just I get crazy when I'm... It's like you're basically writing a book. You know what I mean? A tiny book. It's like a, it's like a tiny book. It's like an e-book. Yeah, it's like an e-book. You guys are really just <laughs> on me, are you? <laughs> just <laughs> all over me. Hey, it's a family show. <laughs> yeah, you better break your little beeper out. <laughs> your little beeper. Thanks, Barry Brooks. <laughs> what do you think he has? Like a like a physical device over there that he uses to beep oh, stuff? No. Yeah, oh, it's no. like the we, core bomb we bell. Need a, we need a new. We need a bell. A new bell for Barrett Brooks. We've got the core bomb bell. I don't even get a bell because I am my own bell. And <laughs> Barrett, that was that was like bell worthy. I'm gonna get a whistle. You better break out your little beaker there, pal. <laughs> <laughs> all right we've made him wait long enough i want to get into it uh in, in like just like have a whole like hey how are you going how's your father but uh but it feels very much like we should we should just answer this question we should we should right so let me read you let me read you uh patrick's question and then and then what i'd like to do barrett tell me if you think this is a good way to go uh answer sort of with some more generic generic sort of general like if for anyone who's thinking about bringing the brick and mortar online and then at the end really specifically answering patrick's question oh snap does that not sound like just such a great time such a great i mean i have planned some pretty good friday nights before but that is a pretty dang fun night (laughs) you know what i mean Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all right so patrick Mm -hmm. writes hey dudes uh great show i give it 50 alligators out of 50 y'all rock and roll uh listen i run micro greens uh thing my rock and micros rock and micros micro greens they're baby veggies herbs and edible flowers uh it's a farm 
We are located on the outskirts of Memphis, Tennessee, and directly sell to 20-plus Memphis-area restaurants. I have an indoor grow room and a greenhouse, and my uh, my questions pertain to whether or not to try and sell online. I've been in business for almost two years, and things seem to be running a bit more smooth and efficient. However, I need to increase sales without my cost and labor expenses following to close. I keep coming back to e-commerce as a good idea. I've done my homework and know quite a bit about overnight priority shipping, perishable, perishable items, materials, costs involved, etc. My question to you dudes is, should I start off by offering one or two products that are easy for me to grow, I grow everything from seed, and offer these items in small quantities? Also, where would be a good place to start as far as beating the competition's shipping prices if I've... Uh, if if it's even possible for a small scale alligator like myself, I can ship you gators. <laughs> I can ship you gators. I wish is what he was saying, because uh, who doesn't want an alligator shipped to him? He said, I, "I can ship you gators a sample box on the house and let y'all taste what I call fresh local goodness." Maybe I should stay in Memphis and not go the online route. Thanks again for an alley awesome show, Patrick. May he's Patrick. You really you really are are biting into the alligator thing. Oh yeah, you went all in on the alligator. You know, I haven't broken that guy out in a while. Oh, it's been at least like an episode. It's pretty much every episode. (laughs) No, well, that's not. Or like an hour ago. Because there's, there's, well, there's this guy, which is a little bit more of just an older person with a big tongue. Uh, but out of 47 alligators, that's a whole different dude. You know, we got to come out of this guy with a completely different outlook. (laughs) I wonder if the proximity of Tennessee to the bayou makes that guy a big hit down there see and this is why it's so critical to define your audience folks yeah so critical. um okay so that's patrick's killer question uh i i'm going to pull up the website as we speak uh and let's and we're going to come back to answering his specific question but before we do that let's talk about just just anybody who's, who's who either sells physical goods you know whether they have a storefront or not or even if they have if they have like a like i'm i got friends here that run a uh, a small sort of boutique place they don't do much in terms of sales online, if they do any at all, I don't think. And so what would it be like for them to take that stuff online? Um, I, I'd kind of like to get it. We haven't really talked much about that before. And so I'd love to hear what you guys think about that. Does that sound, sound good to you? Sounds good. Sounds so good. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Now, Barrett, you had a conversation with, with somebody today. You're just like, oh, this is exciting. I want to talk to somebody. And you just like called someone. Do you want to talk about that right now? So... Well, this is kind of more specific to the actual question, so we're going to go backwards then if we start Okay, there. no, that's not. Where do you want to start? General advice. Okay, I know, but okay, well, here, here's something. Let's answer the question, and then let's go general. How about that? Okay, let's do it. Because this is a good story. Let's do it. Okay. Okay, so the past two weeks, I've been watching the newsroom, and the newsroom is a good show, and it's gotten me all fired up, and it's made me a little bit more spunky than usual because they're, it's hilarious, <laughs> and they have a lot of spunk. <laughs> Is that Nicole's just like, what has gotten into you? You're so spunky these days. Oh, God. I hope she doesn't listen to this. That's not um, a Nicole. That's actually it's more like, I don't know what that is. It's like a next door neighbor that you always run into when you're walking out the door. She's just like, oh, Barry, you look so spunky in your front pleated pants. Where are you off to? I love that that is my user persona and Chase's mind. Patagonia pleated front pants. Dude, Anyways, you only had to wear so, them once for me to latch onto it forever. Okay, keep going. People want to hear the story. So Why the you- reality is that we, as the three of us, we have never run an e-commerce site that I know of. And we've definitely never been in any kind of farming environment where we're selling goods online that are perishables. 
So my natural inclination was to say, okay, so who could I call that would tell us a little bit about this that has real experience? Experience. So I did some investigative reporting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I called up a company called U.S. Wellness Meats. And if you're in kind of the paleo, CrossFit, whatever community, and you like eating grass-fed meats and uh, non-farmed fish and all that kind of stuff, then you might have heard of them. But they're an aggregator of like values-driven farmers who use sustainable farming practices to raise their food. And then they sell it through an e-commerce front online. And you can buy like any part of the cow, different types of fish in single servings or very small packages and they'll ship you any combination of what you want. So it's a pretty cool business and it's been around for quite a while now and they're doing quite well. They have a number of people working for them. They have a bunch of alliances and a massive storefront online. So I called their customer service line and I was just like, Hey, I run a business. It's called fizzle. We teach entrepreneurship and we had a question about e-commerce. I wondered if you had someone there who could answer some questions about how you got started. I fully expected them to say, no, we don't talk to the press or something like that. But they went and got the owner. And so I get on the phone with this co-founder of U.S. Wellness Meets, and he's like, so explain to me what you do again. And we went through that whole jazz. And then for 30 minutes, he proceeds to tell me about how they got started, the ups and downs of running an e-commerce business, getting screwed over by eBay, and all this kinds of fun stuff. So the point is, when they got started, they were only selling um, grass fed beef. That was their only product. And obviously beef comes in full cows. So they had different parts of the cow for sale, but they were packaging it in 25 pound packages of meat so that they could add specific, uh, skews. So like product labels to each one. What they found in doing that was that they were essentially having to force 25 pound packages onto their customers who didn't really want 25 pounds of beef, but they were able to find enough people to kind of keep it going. Not enough to be sustainable, though, from an economic standpoint. So they applied for a grant, got a grant from Missouri, hired a consultant eventually to come in. And he was like, hey, you know, you should consider selling single servings or small servings so that more you have a bigger market, basically, so that more people can order from you. So at that point, they added in uh, each different type of cut of meat. They brought in uh, some pastured chickens and dairy as well. And they started selling that. And what they found was when they increased their product mix and decreased the average size of what you had to order to order from them, they started getting so many more orders and became much more profitable much more quickly. But on the execution into things, that made things a little bit more compli- complicated because it meant that they had to have um, a product for each type of cut of meat. And then they had to, within 12 hours, go and pack and ship those orders. So there was some complexity there, but what they found was that that was the best way to go, to have a a decent product mix that serves that end consumer and not to sell in bulk. So, you know, he went into a bunch of other stuff that we can get into, but at the basic level, that was kind of how they felt they had to get started. And so there's a lot of lessons we can pull out of that, I think. Why don't you start? So the first one is, I think you have to know who your audience is for your e-commerce efforts. So right now, um, was it Patrick? Is that his name? Yep. Patrick May. Yep. Patrick is currently selling to restaurants in Memphis. So my first question to him is, are you trying to access a bigger market of restaurants and sell in bulk? Or are you trying to access the direct to consumer market and sell smaller quantities to them? Cause that's two very different things. Um, restaurants are used to working with distributors and they're used to getting a lot of food all at once. They need it. They order like daily and they need it tomorrow. 
And if you screw their order up, they're not going to have salad on their menu, which is a problem for them. So if that's the market you're going after, I think you have to have really efficient operations. You have to have a high degree of confidence that your shipping is going to work out the right way and you're going to want to sell in bulk. On the other hand, if you're selling to individuals, you've got to think about how you fit into their grocery shopping habits, right? Because we don't have a provider of meats and a provider of greens and a provider of other produce like we might have back in the day when there wasn't, you know, highways and stuff like that. And we went to the meat market and then you went to the farmer's market. Or down here. That's not how we operate. (laughs) Or down here in Mexico. Yeah, or in Mexico, right. Yeah, like in the rest of the world, that's not the U.S. Um, So you've got to think about what role are you playing? And if you're going after the individuals, I think you've got to do more than have one product. Because if I'm going to order from you, then I want to order all my produce. And I want to be able to get that each week or however often I go grocery shopping as an alternative to going to the grocery store. If you're telling me I'm going to order from you and go to the grocery store, then you're not that valuable to me. So that's kind of my first lesson I pull out is you got to, you got to figure out who you're for with this e-commerce solution. Thoughts on that guys. I like it. I'm for it. I'm for it. Okay, cool. I I think Uh, just, just to, to add on that though, I think, um, thinking about the product mix, this, the uh, U.S. wellness meats that you were talking about, that doesn't eliminate my need to go to the grocery store, right? Because I'm only getting meat from them. Um, so so how does that fit in, do you think? Well, so from my perspective, I think that meats and produce are a very different market to be in. Like they're different ty- types of farms. They're diff- they come from different sources. So for me, if I can have a U.S. wellness meats for my meats and a rock and micros for my produce, now I don't have to go to the store anymore. Or if I have a U.S. wellness meats for my meats and then I have a farmer's market that shows up Saturday down the road for me, I can go to the farmer's market. So that's the role I think you're trying to play. Um, Or if you're providing all my veggies and my produce, then I can go to the best meat market in town even if they don't have great produce. Yep. Okay. Got it. I like that. Okay. I mean, to add on my own thing, you know, this is the first part of any successful online enterprise, right? Is, is really figuring out who you're going to target with this thing. And in the, we have a great course in fizzle about defining your audience. It's one of the first ones that I've done. It's one of the most important lessons I've ever learned after 10 years of making websites. Um, that it's just, it's so essential that you, that you understand who you're talking to and that you, you really know how to delight them, how to make them feel at home, how to say, how to show them that you, you know who they are and that you, you've anticipated their needs uh, and to make stuff that feels, you know, fresh and good to them. Um, and at the same time, you can go way too overboard with it. We see people in the forums all the time. I'm constantly responding to people in the forums like, okay, so I, they're like, I don't know if I've, if I've got it down enough or this, that, and the other. Sometimes people go way too far in, in one direction that isn't really helpful. And other times they're just like stressed out because they don't really feel like they have it nailed down. Um, so it's not about like, you know, just deciding, you know, it, it, for instance, the, how instructive it is to decide simply between are we going to target restaurants and chefs with this website or with this with these web products, or are we going to target sort of health conscious uh, or veg conscious consumers, right? And that's obviously just an example for for Patrick's situation, but that's a really big for anybody listening to this who has a who has a a, a physical store or physical goods that they want to sell online. Nailing who it's for gives you your cultural reference, gives you your ability to feel like an actual, an actual person. You know, even if you're building a brand, you can feel like a person on there, the way that MailChimp does, the way that, the way that hopefully we do, the way that Fizzle.co does. When you land there, it feels like there's real people who made this stuff. 
And that's the kind of experience you're going for because then you're not just selling based on utility. You're selling based on a, on a much more important thing, which is your story, um, which is one of my things that have come up come up later but i just wanted to tag on to that with how important this is and we do have a guide uh if you go to fizzle.co slash guides we have several guides that are free and one of them's on defining your audience it's not the whole kit and caboodle but it's a handful of my favorite exercises to do to help you really get into the head of 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 your consumer of the person that you'd want to actually click the button on your website okay keep going barrett what else did you want to draw out of this one um the second thing is pricing and scale so you talked a little bit about shipping costs, which I think are important, but it's probably more important to build your shipping costs into the price of your product. I think consumers hate the feeling of you're going to bill me for the product and then you're going to bill me for shipping. Whereas if you just build the shipping into the product, then it's just psychologically, it's a lower effect on people and it's a lower barrier. Mm. Um, and you've got to think too, not just about your online competitors, but the grocery store competitor, because you're competing with them in reality. Do I go to the grocery store or do I order from Patrick? And so what you've got to figure out is, can you make money when you're only selling, let's say a hundred packets of greens a month? And how does that change once you reach a thousand or 2000 packs of greens a month? Because what you're hoping for is that with scale, your um, profits per, per item will grow, ideally. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what you want to see or else there's, it's tough to grow in that situation. So um, you want to know, can you make money on day one? And then is there some scale at which this becomes sustainable for you? Or is it sustainable from the get-go? And then that's great. So that's the second thing I want to mention. I like that, um, just doing the work of, of you know, because it's, it's like, yeah, you can make, you can make uh, I can take an index card and I can draw a, 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 a I, I'm not going to say it. I Are you stuck? On it. Oh, <laughs> you just hit me upside the head. Uh, I could draw a thing on there, and uh, and I could say I could put it. I could set up my Squarespace website and have a little store, or use Etsy or Big Cartel or Shopify or any of these things or Gumroad, right? And I could say, hey, yep. look at this. You can buy this uh, this original one of a kind drawing from from me from Chase, uh, and it's five dollars. And then the question that you're forcing me to ask is like, hey, so how many of those do you need to sell to be sustainable, to be exactly. to like actually keep your head above water and to actually uh, earn a living from this thing? Where this isn't actually, it's like my friends who are who uh, back in the day in high school, you, know, you had the friends that worked at like In and Out or Pete's Coffee or something like that. And when they got promoted to manager, it was always like like two months later, they're like, oh no, what have I done? They got like a minimal, like just minimal raise. They don't get to participate in tips anymore. So they're actually making less money and they have twice as much responsibility because that's what it can feel like when you like just like, oh, I thought it would be a good idea. And now you have like too many orders and you're going to lose money on the whole thing. So you're like, let's just take the whole site down and fulfill these orders. So knowing beforehand where your magic numbers are and what kinds of, of things justify the, the, the means, uh, what kind of ends justify the means is is actually a pretty important so wait what's the question what's a specific question to ask myself about that so the question i would ask is for each item you're going to sell how much do you make in profit after the like actual production cost and then the shipping mm -hmm. and then you know you have to ask yourself okay at some point you need to build in a labor model too if you ever want more people than just you working for you and so that goes back to the whole idea of like cost accounting and, and what costs are you building into your products? 
which is maybe getting a little off on the nerdy end, but you know, you want to know that your products are at the end of the day profitable because if they're not, then for every product you sell, you're actually losing money. Yeah. I like that. Which is a problem. Mm -hmm. So then we can build back in this idea of product mix because that affects your pricing too. So if having a good product mix, like having multiple products, let's say you can have either just microgreens or you can have microgreens, baby carrots and like celery or something. Well, if by having three products, I'm more likely to buy all three from you each week, then your average profit per transaction goes up, right? Because you're selling more items to the same person. And so you're making more profit per customer per order, right? As opposed to only selling one thing of greens. Yeah. So as long as each product is profitable and you can sell me multiple each time by having multiple products, then it's worth having multiple products. So that's where the interaction between the pricing and the product mix kind of have to play together. Making sense? Uh, well, I hope it is to somebody. But I, I, Corbett, I, I, Corbett, am I making sense to you? Because that's probably a better game. You are. I think okay. uh, some of this is getting a little bit like cart before the horse. Um, but yes, so far it's making sense. Cool. Okay, so then we get to platform. I don't know if he's already researched like what e-commerce platforms he's looking at. But Chase, you mentioned a few. Um, ones that we're fans of are Squarespace Commerce, Shopify, um, Magento is one that's been bought by eBay that you can check out if you want to, but I would go for the first two before the third. So those are three that you might look at. Etsy, I don't think is as big on produce, but it would be great for other types of businesses if you're creating crafts or arts or um, handmade goods of some kind. Uh, and then Gumroad is more for like digital goods. So that may not be as applicable for physical products. Mm-hmm. So platform's a big deal, though, because that affects all of your accounting, all of your fulfillment on orders. I mean, there's a lot of complexity to not just delivering a digital good, but physically having to get a thing from where you are to where your customer is. So you want to make sure that your platform will allow you all the data you need to do that easily and track the orders. Um, cool. I mean, wh- where are we at right now? So Corbett, yeah. pull us back out of the weeds a little yeah, bit. Yeah, tell me about it. Pull us out of the damn weeds. No, that's good stuff. It's really good. Um, I, I especially like the bit about, um, uh, about just like figuring out like, where is profitability for you in this? How many of these do you have to sell where like it is what you want to do? Because a lot of times you get some idea. It's like, oh my God, I've been selling these pens for like 30 years. I'm going to make a killing online. Can't wait to put this on the internet. I'm going to just blow up. You know, and then you're like, wait a minute, I'm not making any money. Right? It's like, it can be, it can be a bigger issue than, than you think. Uh, so, Corbett, well, how can we, how, when you said he's maybe like, you know, put in the cart before the horse, wh- which part is the horse to you? Uh, which part is the horse? And now we're going back to that meat website. Yeah. Do they have horse meat, by the way? They don't. So I, I worry a little bit. Well, I think I think the number one. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say I. So I'm assuming. Let's let's assume that he is thinking about selling to um, individuals as opposed to restaurants. He's already got the restaurant thing down. To him, that's a an in person sort of transaction. Find the restaurant, sell them the greens, and he wants to go online to sell to individuals. I don't know if that's true, but let's just assume it is. I worry a little bit that um, by saying should I be online that he's feeling a little bit like um, it's some silver bullet. I go online and then all of a sudden there are all these customers out there. 
But, you know, as Barrett was saying, platform's important. I suppose it is. But just because you put the website up there doesn't mean that you're going to have any customers whatsoever. And even if you find customers, to me, the biggest question is, what's the use use case sort of scenario for greens to individuals? Because right now he's selling to restaurants and restaurants are used to sourcing fish from one person and meat from another and different kinds of produce from different people. And they have big needs and they have specific needs. Whereas individuals, like Barrett was saying, produce is all kind of lumped together. You know, you expect to get all of your produce from one place. And to think about ordering greens themselves on their own, um, you know, maybe there's a use case for that. Maybe not. I'm not sure. But to me, that's the big question to answer because you can go out and spend all this time and energy thinking about what your website's going to be, what you're going to sell on there. But that doesn't mean that you have um, the use case nailed and, and that you understand how people are going to be buying and using your product. So to me, before we get ahead of ourselves and think about the website and the pricing and all this stuff, kind of stuff, to me, this is a flyer phone number, uh, you know, couple of packages sort of situation where maybe I go to some farmer's markets uh, with my produce and I'm selling it there. I'm selling the greens at a farmer's market or a Saturday market or whatever. And in addition to that, I have a flyer with some options. And maybe I tell every customer that comes up and I say, hey, by the way, did you know that we also sell... Um, you know, over the phone, or we can we can deliver these to you, and see if you can get some people to sign up for just some basic packages. Um, have you know, hey, you get uh, this kind of greens every week, along with these couple of things, and put a couple of different packages together and try some different things out. See if you can drum up any interest. See if you can sign some people up right there on the spot, um, and make sure that you get enough information from those people that after you deliver for a couple of weeks or a month or whatever, um, you're able to follow up with them and interview them and find out how they were using them and what was wrong with the process, what they would like to see in addition to what you were delivering to them. My wife and I, when we were in San Francisco and- My wife. My, my <laughs> wife and I in San Francisco um, were subscribed to something called Farm Fresh to You, which is essentially a produce delivery service. And every week, a box would show up at our front door um, with all kinds of stuff. Now, they would deliver 12 or 15 different items. It was seasonal. Um, and there was the ability to go online and select from some sort of choices. So you could sort of customize the box that you were receiving. And that was really cool. Um, it was really nice to have that stuff show up fresh. We knew that it was organic. We knew that it was locally sourced. We knew that it was seasonal. And um, a lot of times when they would suggest things that you wouldn't normally get uh, if you just went to the grocery store, um, they would include some recipes or some tips about how to use that sort of stuff. So it was kind of cool. But again, that wasn't just greens we were getting. It was basically most of our produce needs all in one box. So what I hear, uh, what I had sort of written down is this idea of like a pre-sale almost, right? So some tools like Gumroad make it really easy to do this where you can pre-sale a thing and then nobody's charged unless you actually start fulfilling that order, mm -hmm. right? So you can create a website and put the thing up like using a Squarespace or anything like that. Just boom, fart it out. It's $8 and you're done. Uh, and, and then see if, you can get, see if you can get one person to click the button to do that, right? Because then... Uh, then which I love because of the, the, the it's very challenging to get someone to pay the things. Now, actually, as I'm searching, by the way, for Patrick's site, I can't find it. So maybe he doesn't even have a, a website. I don't it, think he does. Which is, which is the first thing, so first thing to fix. You know, first thing is just like, yeah, throw up a website and just have one page. It's just like, hey, 
We got a cool little farm out here. We got some little baby greens things going on. Look at those little guys. Those are cute. Look at those. Those are also cute. All of them full of nutrients. With all these little tiny baby carrots. I don't know if that counts, but I just want to see a farm with baby carrots like everywhere. Just a bunch, little tiny, like the yellow kind that you get in Chinese food. Like the little, little baby. They look like. Are you, are you talking about corn? Yeah. Baby I'm corn? I'm talking about baby corn. Uh, okay. But also, I would like to see baby carrot farms too. But mostly baby <laughs> corn uh, because it's just like, it looks like. It just looks so cute. It looks like it's, I don't know, it looks, it looks like it, it could be like a crime against, uh, like they might be doing that like, like really terribly, something really terrible to keep them so small. Um, but, uh, but regardless, anyways, getting a website up uh, is the first, first place to go. And then with tools like a Gumroad or I think even Squarespace's thing probably has this. It's pretty common to have a, a pre-sale idea. And that's just something to try to say like, listen, what if we sent you uh, sent you a box of, of greens every week, and it cost you $25 a month. What if that? Let's say, for example, that. Sign up here, and we'll send the first box to you as soon as we can, but you won't be charged until it's at your door. Right? Then it's like, okay, uh, I, th- I, think, I think people are understanding how to do this. And you can just see how you can, how you can get traffic to the thing, how you, can, how you can actually get people to show up, maybe even the kind of person that could click the button. It's similar to Corbett's like just taking, it around, taking a flyer around town and doing the things, which is great because you know, when, you're, when you're doing any brick-and-mortar thing, you kind of do have to build from around that location, or you can. You get the excuse to build it around that location. Because local marketing online is very different from just like talking to the internet at large, you know, um, which I think is an asset. It's a, it's something that you can you can do better than the next guy, and you can you can have fun with and be yourself with and all those things. So uh, so I like that que- I like that part, Corbett, of just like all right. Now this is specific for Patrick's, but I, I think I would include it for everybody who's thinking of taking their brick and mortar store online. Um, it, you, you know, we're painting a pretty bleak picture at this point, but but do have your numbers sorted out in terms of like what, what do you need to do to get to get to in order for this to be worthwhile and profitable. Second of all, can you set up a website that that a really simple one that gets someone to the site and, and maybe even gets them to click buy? You know, and then you can say like, hey, we're going to be able to send it to sell you this uh, as soon as possible. You don't even have to have the pre-sale stuff. You just have the you just count how many times people click the button. You know, show a price, show when it's available, click the button. Oh wait, we're just. Hold on. That's not working right now. Send us an email right here and let us know what you want. We'll expedite it to you or something. You don't even have to have a shopping cart or anything. Um, so, uh, and all of that, just, just as a setup stuff to see, like, okay, is this worthwhile? A series of tests to see if, if you can find the people to do this thing. What were you going to say, Barrett? Well, I, so as I've heard us talk through this and we've kind of come full circle back to the audience thing, what makes most sense to me based on the specific question he asked, which is how do I increase my scale, increase my reach, without increasing labor costs or complexity of the business. I actually think the right, well, there's no right answer, but the natural place to start might be doing what you're already doing that's working, but taking it online. So what you're already doing that's working is serving local restaurants who have a large need for greens. And so you're selling them essentially in bulk regularly. By having a website solution that allows people to order from you, it streamlines your processes, it puts them all in one place, And it means you can access more markets. So maybe you start looking at like Atlanta, Birmingham, Charlotte as potential cities that you could reach out to or or focus your marketing on to grow your greens market. And now you don't have to grow more products. Now you don't have to have multiple options or appeal to consumers at farmers markets. It's truly about taking the model that's already working online and serving more restaurants with that model. 
that seems like it actually might be a, a more reasonable proposition right now based on what he's already doing. I like it as an idea. I mean, and then again, people just understand like there's a bunch of ways that you can come at this thing, right? And every one of them is a hypothesis that you should test and see if it's right, right? So the, it's a very different business to make what Barrett was just talking about versus making one for consumers. Now, I, I get more excited about the, about the idea of making what Barrett was talking about because you can always do that, figure out the drop shipping, working with these kind of high-demand people with a very specific need and money to spend to get the best products, et cetera. They have an excuse to do so. Um, that's, that's awesome. Another way to do it is like, okay, what if, what if we then focused on other major cities in, in Tennessee and the surrounding areas and just tried to get into more restaurants there, right? Just right. tried to be a better brand of microgreen than their even their local places, right? We're just more pro. We understand them better. Everything that we do is tooled up for, for high quality chefs. So we're the ones that that high quality chef in Nashville trusts, right? right? That that is is another thing that that enables you to have the same same plot. This is all stuff that's covered also in the book yourself solid courts that we have um, about uh, you know figuring out the difference between your dud clients and your and your like really like your favorite clients in the whole world. The one that that it's like super easy to work for and the money comes in and your your work you feel great about right that that can exist in 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 this thing as well and and all of these sorts of things so i love that again what is that that's defining your right audience that's why i keep coming back to that cuz it changes what the business ends up being and i think that's really what i mean more when i say defining your audience it's not like well do they have black hair or are they blonde you know it's it's more like well these are very different businesses if you make one for that person or for that person or for this person over here like the high quality chef that's sexy you know that's a that's a fun thing to try to to market to and You've got about twenty five of those that I that you can you can locate by the Google Maps in Nashville or in Memphis or in wherever and really kind of folk like instead of having a website, you have a sales guy. You know what I mean? You go and you learn what do you wish you what do you want from a produce person like this? Now again, how do we extrapolate the learning from that into anybody who wants to bring their their brick and mortar online? Well, just just uh just as Barrett was able to come up with different ideas, there's more ideas for what you want to do. Um, you know, you might have like so here in Portland, we have all these all these bitching little uh, little boutiques of like you know like they got you know this this fancy awesome you know muted gold uh, <laughs> jewelry for ladies like long stringy chains with like weird wobbly geometric shapes and things like that and then there's like they have handbags and then they have candles and fragrances uh, uh, things like that and, and like magazines like kinfolk in this like in these these little boutiques so what does it look like to take that online I don't know but you could focus on the kind of person that you find here in town maybe you could focus on another another town that doesn't have that shop in it but people still want to live that kind of life like a grand rapids michigan very cool might not have that store and and so you can you, you see how you can target another place specifically without even setting up a store there just like by like you know just uh, focusing on advertisement there and things like that i don't know it's not a not the best idea in the whole world no definitely but i think what i love about this is uh in a recent episode, we talked talked about uh, business archetypes, and what Patrick has is he has an archetype that he's going after. He wants to go after this like good that he's taking online through an e-commerce platform, right? Mm-hmm. And so what that allows him to do is to now go back and say, okay, who is this for? Because we kind of have these three different um, edges of the triangle or whatever of topic, audience, 
and archetype. And so what he's got is a topic of greens, essentially, um, or healthy eating or whatever you, however you want to frame that. He's got an archetype of, uh, I guess that would be like maker, I think, because he's making edible goods and then taking them online. And then he's just got to decide who's the audience that this is for. Mm. And what that does is it tells him, okay, how do you market this? How do you find those people? What kind of content do you use or what kind of ad strategy do you use to attract those people? Because it's going to be very, very different for how you advertise or market to restaurant owners or chefs than it is your average Joe or mom who needs to order greens for the week. Yeah. Um, so I have a handful of things. Maybe I should just run through them here uh, that I have. Run through them. I'm going to run through them. Okay. Uh, so the first thing that you mentioned was, was the platform, get a website up. Uh, it, like we mentioned, Squarespace, Shopify, Etsy, Gumroad, Big Cartel. I'll have links to all of these in the um, in the show notes for this episode. Okay. So so don't worry about that. You can go there and you can... I even found a an article that sort of compares all of these. Uh, you can see sort of some of the differences, which is great. But you got to have, if you want to do this, it's re, it's dirt dirt cheap and very easy to get a website up to try it out even, you know, as your minimum viable product. Um, then uh, the other thing, as I mentioned before, was like, can you try a pre-sale? Can you, like, if all your, if your idea right now is a hypothesis and you need to try it, what what's a test that you can create that would uh, allow you to see whether or not people actually want this thing, are willing to pay for it at this price or at that price, these sorts of things. And, and a similar thing to think about is, like, how do you, uh, uh, who could you talk to uh, about this, right? Like, who can you actually call on the phone or email and say, would you be interested in getting this, uh, buying these sorts of things, which is dubious uh, uh, at worst, uh, because it can be a false peak. You can get people saying all these things that they don't actually put their credit card where their mouth is. Um, but it still can help you kind of walk around the issue. Um, another thing to think about is where are you? Okay, When you have a physical location or, or when you're selling physical products, a lot of times you have uh, an advantage in your location. So, I mean, I would not move on from uh, you, you know, Memphis until that, everybody in that town knew, knew about us and knew about the quality of what we're doing. Like, we, were really, we were really nailing that. Right? So knowing where you are, doing the local marketing thing so that anybody, any chef that's searching for you know, microgreens is going to find you. Right? right now they're not finding you. Um, but and then that, that world might work completely different. Maybe no chefs use the internet, and there's only one little like you know, I don't know, circulation piece that goes around that, that lists all of the all of the farmers and vendors. I don't know, but how can you leverage your location to your advantage is is a is a good question to ask yourself. Okay, and then I, I mean one one big one for me is if you are serious about this, who could you get to mentor you? Because you're going to have to. Uh, you're going to have to solve a bunch of problems and crack a bunch of nuts that are brand new to you that you've never had to deal with before and that people who have done this before have had to crack all those nuts and solve those problems. So who could you approach, maybe several people that you could approach to be like, hey, if I have a question, this is, this is what I'm doing. If I have a question, do you mind if I, if I asked you, you know, who do you use for your drop shipper, shipper first of all, or whatever, right? Um, you might find uh, great, great uh, insights. I listened to... Uh, I, I heard this from, I can't remember who, but ShipStation.com is a, a great little tool that, that, that a lot of people selling uh, physical products are, are using. Um, that one was, I think it might have been the Studio Neat guys that told me about that one. Um, but like, there's tools like that that exist out there that you don't even know how to look for. But then, then you're going to hear from a mentor like, wow, this is a, you have to know about this. 
right? So it, it can be really, really important uh, to have that group. And I, I, I think about that because the guys from Studio, Night, Studio Neat, Dan and Tom, they mentioned how important it was that it was the, it was the guy at... Um, what was that that killer looking iPad case that was the Dodo case I think Dodo yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, that guy reached out to them or they reached out to him and he kind of like walked them along how to do this sort of how to come from the sort of designing internet tech world into the physical thing here's all the things you need to consider and now they're old pros at that um, and uh, you could probably start bugging them <laughs> Dan and Tom at Studio Need um, another thing is. Uh, it's not just enough to have a good product. You actually have to have a story to go with it. So what's the story of your package or your product? And this doesn't have to take a lot of time, but I mean, just like at Starbucks, you don't walk in and buy a cup of coffee, you buy, you know, a sustainable, fair trade, uh, you know, Juan Valdez's family is supported from this, this cup right here, right? You get, to, you get to see the pictures of the people, and they're, they're playing up that story, and they're playing up the story of the importance of your morning ritual, and they're playing up the story of, uh, in all these subtle ways, they're never really coming out and saying it so much as it's implied in all the marketing and stuff. Having that story versus like, well, you needed this and we could sell it to you. I mean, I guess a lot of people could sell it to you, but like we could too, uh, isn't, isn't good enough. And you don't have to. You know, you, when you get to say like it's, a, it's not just vegetables or microgreens from Family Farm uh, and, and you kind of like, hey, I'm, I'm Patrick and this is what we do and blah, 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 blah. Now all of a sudden there's an interesting thing there and, and tweaking that can be really important for marketing online. Um, and and in any physical location. Uh, let me keep going here. i got three more. What existing sites or communities could you partner with? Because the hardest thing to do online is to start getting people to your website and your thing, right? So, Definitely. So what, what, what uh, out there, could before you even come to market, could you, who out there could you, could you say, like, you know what, you, you, this is the site that I'm always going to. I think the people that I want to sell to are on there, and I, uh, I would like to partner with this person uh, and, and who knows, maybe it's a pipe dream, right? But maybe it could work. And ha- identifying 10 or 15 of those and reaching out and allow- allowing that to take some time and having an idea and asking them what they would like to do and just say, like, listen, I just want to bring this to market and I love which, uh, the way you've done things online. And you obviously have an audience and all of this stuff that you know how to do and I admire the way that you do it. And so if we could partner together on this, it would be a really fun thing for me to explore with you. And another spin on that came from uh, U.S. Wellness Meats today. He said that the way that they expanded their products was not by, like, acquiring a chicken farm and acquiring a salmon farm or whatever. They partnered with organizations who have the same ethos and the same values about uh, sustainable agriculture and, like, organic foods and all that. And that helped them create a marketplace that serves their customers better. So it's another spin on the same concept. Yeah. Um, uh, Okay, keep going. Just getting specifics on what shipping material you're going to need. I mean, if you have a really specific product that you know you're going to sell, like say you just like have been, you're at a store, you have a brick and mortar thing, and you sell these beauty products, and and now there's a new line that you're making uh, that's right on on the shelves of the store, and you know exactly what you're selling. I have this shampoo, I have that conditioner, and I have uh, that lotion. Then it's like, okay, well, well, uh, know exactly what size of box that you need for that, and what that cost is, which are all these costs that are associated with that. It's not hard to figure out exactly what that is, and then just so that you can do that math that Barrett was talking about earlier. Um, and you can kind of know not only like how much is the shipping material, but what's it going to cost and what's uh, to ship and all, all of that other stuff. Um, and then, uh, you know, this probably is what you're getting at with the product mix, uh, Barrett, though you were probably taking it far more uh, sophisticated than, than this old guy's brain can, can handle. <laughs> but uh, what exact, what exact, what the hell are you actually selling? 
you know, can, can you, uh, and then can you organize those things into packages if need be or things like that? I mean, you only really need to sell one thing. And in many ways, your story gets stronger when you've got this one. It makes me think of like, I don't know, what was it, Birch Box or something like that? Yeah. Where they sell, what, what did they sell? Did they sell like a mystery box or was it just like one box that, that had these, these things in it? Do you remember? Well, there's a lot of different stuff like that. Like we get one that's called Conscious Box or something like that that my brother gave us for Christmas, and it's like enough snacks for a week, and they're all organic and gluten free and whatever. Um, and so by packaging them all together, we might not have bought bought any single one of the snacks at the store, yeah. but because they come together and it's a week's worth, we enjoy all of them. And we try new stuff. Yeah. So that that kind of stuff that's like fun to think about, but probably. Um, Again, each idea that you have for that is is a hypothesis to test, right? Do people want an assortment of microgreens? Do they just want alfalfa? Do they just want uh, arugula? What do they want? Do they want to be able to choose between it? That was a big part of the U.S. wellness meat story that Barrett told. Like they, Once they had a bunch of things to choose from, now people were interested. Uh, much more than just one big lump of 25 pounds of meat. Right. <laughs> Which I like. I think at the end of that, just I'll just toss it on the grill and see what comes out. <laughs> Practice your butcher skills. What is that? A, um, a rib roast, T-bone. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of all of them. I got. I like a lot of meat, so I mostly just I picked. Uh, they just send me a lump. Uh, the a whole lump. tenderloin and the rib cage. <laughs> so all the vegetarians are just going. Oh God, turn it off. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so, anyways, that's that's sort of my thing. This, this, this is all just like kind of business one on one stuff. But I love the I love the constraint of thinking about a brick and mortar store who wants to come online because you clearly know, especially if you're a successful brick and mortar, you know you know what you sell and you know who your customer is and you know how to market to them. But it really is a whole different beast when you yeah. bring that online at the at the scale of the internet. Uh, and now you, you and you 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 have these you know these dollar signs in your eyes and, and this fantasy about you know, uh, everyone in the world finding your thing. And then it's a harsh reality, you know, it's because it's just as, as difficult as it is to get started with a brick and mortar. It's every bit as difficult to get it started online. The costs are way less, right? You have less uh, skin in the game, but that also works against you because you need it less. And when you're a little entrepreneur and a, a solo entrepreneur and a brick and mortar, like you are just, and you watch, you're seeing your savings dwindling going into the rent of the place and the and inventory, you're just like, you have very visceral fight or flight kind of, I need to make this thing survive, or it doesn't. Right. Well, you don't really have that a lot of times online, unless you're unless you've, it's been your income source, and all of a sudden traffic goes away, and then you're just like you get in that mode. Everything has to take time and get gradual online, which is probably why I like it because I don't like that stress stuff. You guys, I'm not into it. Um, yeah, it's not great. Okay, Corbett, you've been quiet for a little while. Barrett and I have been designing and streamlining and painting the cart to high hell, and and I think you're, where 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 are you in this right now? What what do you need to say right now? <laughs> I go. I just go back to. I think you need to simply uh, take the online piece out of it. If you're trying to sell to individuals as opposed to restaurants, then you need to prove that people even want this. And the best way to do that is to go where your customers are, all, or go where people you know are interested in produce, which to me is a farmer's market. And start talking to customers, start selling stuff, see if you can sell some packages or whatever it is that you would be selling online, um, give people your phone number directly and tell them to call you to reorder or whatever, and just do it in a sort of manual way until you know that some people are actually interested in this. Um, you know, if you, if you attended a handful of farmers markets in a month, I'm guessing that you would get enough 
traffic, you know, walk by traffic that you could try this idea out or, or talk to at least a hundred customers. And that would give you a pretty good idea of whether or not this is worth pursuing online or not. Mm, I like it. One more piece of advice one, for me on the yeah, platform go. thing. Uh, you're going to, you're going to pull up a bunch of these platforms and you'd be like, Oh, like, is it big cartel or Shopify? Or maybe, I guess it doesn't really fit on Etsy. Maybe it does. Oh, what about this other one? What's the one I saw that was like shop shop? Uh, anyways, what about all these? What are they? Well, or Squarespace? Oh, well, wait, what is it? Yeah. You're going to have all these questions. All of them are going to be fine. Just, just sort of do, do preliminary research and just dive in. Because you're never gonna, you're gonna be able to get all your information out of there if you need to later on, and it's not gonna cost you a bunch either way, and you're not gonna like paint yourself into a corner. Um, and at worst case scenario, you export your data and you bring it into something else. Uh, so, so don't like hang up all and like about and get all stressed about choosing a platform. Just dive in. If you so don't, I will have, say one thing about that. Go. And it came from uh, John Wood at the guy I talked to today from US Wellness. He said. Uh, the e-commerce solution they were using got acquired by eBay. And essentially overnight, eBay said, hey, we're shutting this one down because we also acquired this other one over here and we're moving everyone over to the other one, but not for free and not automatically. And so they essentially had two weeks to get all of their data out and reset up their e-commerce store to make sure they could continue to operate. So his piece of advice was, if he were starting today he would build on an open source solution so that his destiny is not in someone else's hands so that they can't just pull the plug. Yeah. And so his specific words were, if I were starting today, I would use WooCommerce because it's based on an open source platform. That doesn't mean you have to. It might mean that the best way to start is to go with Squarespace commerce because it allows you to get up and running in a day. And then maybe later you plan to move over to something open source. But I just wanted to share that because he's been there and done it. Yeah, and I guess I, as someone who makes websites for a living, and I, if I was starting up a really successful thing that I know was going to be successful, I would go a different way than if I was starting up something that I didn't know if it was going to work or not. Right, you know? exactly. And now there's so many tools out there that are so low uh, low startup costs that it's just like, just just pick one. I mean, if I, if I was, uh, for instance, if I was Patrick, I would jump right on Squarespace because I don't have a website yet. I just take some great photos of the, of, of the family at the farm and the things and the product and the packages uh, of like the little bundles of, uh, of microgreens and like a salad that was made with them and then a chef holding up a salad uh, with the thing with a quote. You know, just a handful of these images that tell the story and then boom, done. You know, and then whether or not I'm going to sell anything online, that's just, that's just easy. Because in Squarespace, anybody can just do that themselves, and you don't have a, you have a problem. You just call somebody at Squarespace support. So I would never start someone on WooCommerce unless they already had a site and a bunch of a bunch of stuff going on. And like, because then if you're selling something and you get the revenue up to a certain point, where you're like, okay, we're limited by if you feel limited by a Squarespace or an, or an Etsy or something like that, then move on totally. Go and 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 using uh, WordPress and WooCommerce or some sort of open source thing. Now Magenta. Magento wasn't that open source. That got bought by uh, anyways eBay. So suffice it to say, there the it can go. It can, everything can go belly up so, somewhere down the line. But just don't don't spend a lot of time thinking about it because um, obviously uh, in that once you're making a lot of money, I guess it's really hard to to see the the see the. I guess the bad stuff coming in his situation because it's like he's using this thing for forever, and then all of a sudden they get bought. Right. So I guess the moral of the story is beware of anyone who's successful. You <laughs> might get bought by eBay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know. I mean, thinking about anybody that could be bringing stuff online, you know, there's a huge trend. I mean, think about it. When was the last time you went to a blockbuster video? 
Never. <laughs> you probably never have. Uh, no, I really have. Yeah, I miss you Blockbuster. Have. Uh, but I mean, the, the 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 trend is insanity from Blockbuster to Netflix, and even Amazon's uh, delivering groceries now. And and weirdly, also Amazon's doing the backwards thing where they're creating a right. bunch of a bunch of like uh, storefronts that you could pick stuff up at and that you could buy. It's actually at. a major trend right now in the e-commerce world. Is uh, businesses who started as e-commerce businesses now going? Uh, physical locations, which is fascinating. So it's going both ways. And I think the lesson to be learned there is that there's an advantage to having both physical and online locations. Yeah. If you're selling goods. Yeah, I think so. Um, And Corbett, what I did is I added your question uh, at the very beginning of this list that I'm writing out. Uh, You sure you need to do that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which is, I think, actually just brilliant because clearly what Patrick's doing is working. And then how can we, instead of moving like to a completely different, you know, different like continent in terms of moving it online, how do we just move laterally a little bit? Right. To to, to get either into another city or uh, we've focused on chefs now uh, I don't know. Just there's there's a lot of things that we're doing that's clearly working. What's another kind of person in our town, or another way, another way to get these sorts of people we're already selling to in another town, you know, uh, to get to know us more? Because I think it's just like I mean, microgreens. There's so much great story in something like that, and, and you can easily set be the one with a brand versus. Uh, just like, a, well, we've just been getting our greens from Tom and Patty since I don't know when. Uh, what do you, you offer, you're cheaper or what? <laughs> you know, instead of just like regular, regular stuff like that, you can actually create a brand, which I, which I don't know. Of course, I'm going to take it that way because I think that's the sexiest stuff in the world. So sexy. All right. So at the, at the show notes, which I'll tell you how to get to in the beginning and the end of this show, you will find a big old list of all of these questions to ask yourself. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Anything else to add, guys? No, I feel like we got uh we really got into some meat there. I hope it was helpful. I'd say it was about twenty five pounds of it. Oh. Twenty five pounds of meat. I was gonna give that one just a little bit of alligator, but I had to re <laughs> negotiate myself and give it ninety seven alligators. Woo-hoo! That was a good one. Woo! Man, I am just so tired after making this course for so long. It's like it's like it's devolving. Yeah, it's just turning into like crooked mouth. Yeah, it's just Chase little crooked mouth. Oh, that's like Robin Williams. Hey Chase. Yeah. Who have you been? What? Who have you been? Who have I been? Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? What does it? Who have I not been? It's the part where you say, "I have been." I have been. A lost Jeez, person No, no, that's not it. That's not it. Looking for the one in me. That's not it. I have been. <laughs> I have been Chase Worthen Reed. I've been Corbett Barr. I've been Bear Grylls. I have been. Wow. That was so forceful. <laughs> so, there you have it. Thank you, Patrick, for your question. We love hearing from you guys. You can ask your question, and we'll get the answers on the air. Just head to fizzleshow.co slash ask, or shoot us an email at heyguys at fizzle.co. Oh, and while you're at it, send in your version of the hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show, and I'll use it in the show. 
fizzleshow.co slash 93 is where you can find the show notes for this episode where I've listed out all the questions that we got into here so you can see them there. They're all sort of listed. It's pretty. It's easy to read. It's easy to read. I designed the website. It looks pretty. I think you'd like it. So you should check it out. That's at F-I-Z-Z-L-E show.co slash 93. By the way, get on the email list if you haven't yet, you turkey. Here's an iTunes review from another Eve called Eve Go Lightly in Finland. She says, these guys give you so much more than advice. If you're struggling with your voice, vision, or business in general, tune in for one hour a week to get your soul healed. Prepare to laugh, cry, and awkwardly snort in public places. I like that. They do that in Finland, too. After they're done, it's time for you to start working, and you'll know exactly what to do. Love, Eve. No, love you, Eve. Our goal here is to help you build the best possible thing you can, creating a thriving audience along the way. And if you leave us an iTunes review, it really does help other entrepreneurs find this show. So simply open up iTunes, go to the store, search for Fizzle, and click Write a Review. I, for one, am very excited to be releasing a new course in Fizzle soon. It's been a while, and it takes a ton of work to get one of these big things uh, out of the door and into the world. I think you know what I mean. That's why you're here. Find care. Take care. Serve hard and dig in. Thanks. And I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.